Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast with Simon Cocking, Senior Editor. I'll be doing a series of interviews with people at the cutting edge of green tech, clean tech, and anything else that we think is interesting and worth listening to for you guys, our listeners. Okay, so today on the podcast, we have Helene Lee, who uh, we've done a few pieces on before, but she's she's very interesting and she's very much at the forefront of uh, helping uh, with investment to become more sustainable. So first of all, uh, thanks for coming on the podcast, Helene. Hi, Simon. Delighted to be here and saying hi to everyone as well. (laughs) Awesome. And first of all, uh, for people who don't know a lot about you, how would what would your elevator pitch be? How would you describe who you are and what it is that you do? Right. An elevator pitch would be, I'm a management consultant turned banker turned impact entrepreneur with a mission to develop a platform that helps investors to find investment opportunities uh, more easily in sustainability. Perfect. Concise, but tells us a lot. <laughs> um, so, so I guess um, just to drill into that, um, what what would be some of your your gold standard projects that that you would generally advocate and recommend to investors? Uh, I guess so. Uh, you mentioned some uh, the kind of areas that you feel are important to invest in. W- what examples would would help to explain good projects that, that that would invest that would match your criteria? That's a great question, uh, Simon. Um, I'm afraid that with 2020 and COVID, uh, it has provided both a tailwind and a headwind. Uh, it's a headwind in the sense that you know a lot of disruption of uh, things that you thought would pan out in a certain way obviously uh, you need to pivot but it's been a tailwind in the sense that i think it's put sustainability and esg investments right up front and center stage for a lot of investors uh, if it were on the back burner before it would definitely be on front and center stage now uh, so we find that in terms of education modules, uh, the learning, you know, for investors as well as for the finance industry, uh, that has really taken off extremely well. Uh, you know, uh, on, we are on a lot of the accreditation platforms across Asia Pac and the Middle East. And also uh, the fact that we collaborate, not just with the corporates, the banks, but also regulators uh, to try to drive home the message that investments uh, around ESG uh, can be fairly concrete without sacrificing uh, the financial return. Okay, um, and do you, are you looking at projects in particular parts of the world? And are we talking about water sanitation or renewables? Well, what kind of projects uh, have been good ones that you've recommended recently? I think, you know, to make, to find track the agenda you probably need to look at lower hanging fruits uh, where there are more you know investable opportunities uh, if you look at the 17 sustainable development goals uh, put mm-hmm. out by the UN uh, in 2015 with the aim to achieve all that by 2030 we are still faced with a two trillion US dollars funding gap annually and that cannot be you know uh, funded or bridged uh, just by government or public funding. So in terms of mobilizing private capital into this, uh, in particular, the sovereign wealth funds or some of the bigger family offices, ultra high net worth individuals, I think we have grouped um, the 17 SDGs roughly into five pillars, uh, mainly climate, uh, inclusion, education, health, and biodiversity. 
Uh, out of that, I would say that in terms of biodiversity as well as climate uh, and health, uh, there are a lot of low-hanging fruits uh, driven partly by COVID as well. So you mentioned mm -hmm. water. You know, water sanitation obviously is, is a big area. There are funds uh, that have done quite well uh, in terms of you know using water uh, or access to clean water as a theme. Climate, of course, uh, in terms of energy, uh, clean energy, energy transition, and a whole chunk around that. Uh, there are a lot of investable uh, uh, areas as well, both in terms of direct investments via a private equity PE fund or just into mutual funds uh, that have a lot of offerings in that area. Um, I would say also that health, um, because of, you know, again, the whole global pandemic uh, has really, um, you know, uh, you know, given rise to quite a few opportunities there as well. And we do see health tech uh, as a particularly interesting area uh, for a lot of private investors to look into. Yeah, look, um, I, th I think you're right. And, and people are already talking about. So so the hundred years ago, the Spanish uh, influenza, uh, they felt that after that, in the 1920s, uh, in many ways, it did spark innovation and creativity in ways because it forced the world to do things differently. And I mean, there has been a discussion that that this could have an impact like, because people are wearing masks, because people are more conscious about germs and uh, washing their hands and, and everything that goes with that. Um, we, we, it could potentially have wider positive impacts on health in terms of the way we live and the way we do things. Is that something that you're seeing and could perhaps also, like you say, with opportunities in health tech? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I think people are more aware of the fact uh, of some of the gaps in a way that, um, you know, COVID have managed to expose in terms of public health or e indeed mm -hmm. even private health care, and that a lot more collective efforts and investments need to pour into these areas in order to plug some of these gaps. Um, not only this, but even in terms of the whole way in which we look at work, uh, you know, future of work in a way. Uh, and I think there are a whole lot of areas uh, that people are looking into in terms of, you know, fast tracking, if you like, how technology uh, can mm -hmm. be an enabler, you know, can be used as an enabler to really fast track the agenda. So I keep saying, and I've been saying it for a couple of years already, that there are two things that really drive sustainability. Capital is only one of them. The other one is tech. And I think if you can marry the two together, and really mainstream the agenda and the word is mainstream so that it doesn't become like a by the way uh, or an alternative investments that you know I might carve a 0.5% from my portfolio uh, into uh, then we really got you know a, a more positive uh, outlook in terms of achieving the SDGs by the timeline that is needed or meeting the Paris Accord the Paris Agreement uh, for controlling uh, the rise in temperature that we badly need to. Yeah, yeah, and and like you're saying, it needs to be hard baked into it rather than just an add on at the end to tick boxes. Um, so look, in, in 2020, uh, were you able to get much done? How did it affect you? And the reason I'm asking is, is that Bill Gates is saying uh, the US could be in lockdown till 2022. And so therefore, uh, the way that we've had to work in 2020 uh, may continue easily into 2021 and perhaps deep into 2021. So so has this affected the way you work and, and how do you 
plan to, to be effective in 2021 based upon the constraints you may have to work with? Um, well, I think we're all unprepared, Simon. Nobody was really well prepared for, for COVID. Uh, you know, and I think what we all have to learn and learn is how to do things more effectively online. I mean, if you mm -hmm. look at some of the, the wealth management sector, where I come from and, you know, still am involved with a lot of the KYCs, for instance, that you need a wet ink signature. Uh, now you might find a way uh, for, you know, for it to be accepted uh, in, you know, in a digital, you know, manner. Um, and a lot of the events, for instance, um, that, you know, thousands of people gather together and it seemed to be both a networking as well as a signature forum. Uh, for a certain agenda, we find that a lot of these have taken the form of, of you know, a virtual platform. Uh, so we were, we were actually, you know, pushed to do the same. Uh, a lot of our learning management systems have gone completely online, and we find that that has worked well as well. Because if you look at it, uh, having a digital platform actually enables you to broaden uh, the reach. Uh, you mm -hmm. can reach more people uh, more cost effectively. Uh, without some of the physical constraints uh, that, you know, accompanies a, a, an actual kind of event. But I think, you know, in terms of engagement, uh, it's still very much a work in progress. Uh, for instance, uh, in terms of the, uh, you know, advice, for, advice that we offer to investors, uh, fund selection and all that, people are still used to seeing someone, you know, uh, mm -hmm. It's not the same as, you know, people don't invest, a, a, you know, a, a, a certain amount without actually having a person or an interaction uh, um, before they make that decision, despite all the robo advisory uh, and everything. Yeah. Um, so I think it's still a work in progress, how the business world can really shift more and more to uh, a digital uh, solution, but I think we are finding the way and finding the way more effectively. I I really hope and pray that uh, there are more you know um, concrete solutions to the situation, so that a lockdown until 2022 uh, is the worst case scenario that we prepare for, uh, but may not happen um, because I really don't think uh, the economy can can really survive. Um, you know, a, a very long period of lockdown. Yeah, look, I, I think you're right. Uh, while, while, like, say, Germany has kind of, you know, abandoned Christmas and gone to a serious lockdown, uh, like you say, uh, as as a species and a, a culturally, we're not ready really to to do everything remotely. So, like you say, hopefully it won't be that way. But um, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. Um, with sustainable finance, um, one of your kind of concepts and talks is from marketing to mainstreaming so so what would your tips be to achieve this and to do this well well there are no tips except to build on the community uh, and to talk to the mainstream stakeholders to involve them in a way um, that they would like to be involved and the mainstreamers of course includes the finance industry at large it includes also the regulators who are really on board and providing a lot of tailwind, uh, as we can see across Asia Pac uh, and Europe as well. Um, and also, I think more importantly is to actually have, um, you know, channels that build action. Uh, all too often, we find that, uh, you know, the, the talk is far louder than the action. Uh, hmm. But I think with COVID, 
uh, and a lot of, you know, around the investor education, uh, the funds that we are working on and so on, we find that we might be actually going somewhere. So hopefully this is one of the silver lining um, of a global pandemic. Um, let, let us not let the lessons go to waste uh, that uh, we actually have, have learned something from this and we are able to, to take it forward and realize the urgency uh, of this agenda. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And 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 this has been the thing. Like, um, you know, it's uh, while it's very serious, uh, lots of interesting things have happened, and it's it's pushed and nudged people to do things faster and adopt things that they wouldn't have otherwise. So th that does provide an opportunity to not just default back to how we did things. And obviously, pr prior to this, in late 2019, climate change w was was very much the top of the agenda. And, and it it still needs to be so hopefully that helps us to focus on that um we, we we've reviewed some books about reimagining capitalism and and one of them has has a good critique um about uh impact investing and does it have an impact so uh <laughs> yeah so 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 what would your thoughts be on that and can can you make a strong case for, for why impact investing does have an impact or do you feel are you not sure yourself what are your thoughts I think it's that there are actually a lot of cliches and myths around this, uh, unfortunately, Simon. Uh, okay. And I think the practitioners that have coined more acronyms than we can remember uh, certainly didn't help things. So the mm -hmm. alphabet soup, uh, you know, ESG, et cetera, et cetera, uh, really, you know, makes this a, a kind of more alternative and exclusive uh, rather than inclusive agenda. Uh, if you like, I think, you know, with the whole situation that we are now faced and that really turned the world upside down, and I really think it's pushed the agenda forefront, people are looking to invest, uh, forget about ESG or, or, or sustainability, you know, just forget about all the acronyms for a while. People want to invest in a future we like to live in. People want to put their money into a future that the next generation can live in. And I think that's the ethos of ESG, of sustainable investments. Uh, and I think that is really the direction in which from all the dialogues we're having across the public, corporate and private sectors, we are hearing this loud and clear. Yeah, exactly. So I guess it's almost to try and come full circle and come back to a common sense way of looking at things. Uh, because I mean, even with the UN SDGs, which on one hand are a good idea, you know, I've just said a, a five-letter acronym there with seventeen mm. within it, and and mm. and and we and and while some companies are embracing it, with others it does feel uh, that they're selectively picking the bits that suit them. So and like you're saying, it has to be maybe a more holistic and more simple. Is this good for the planet? Is is this helpful for us? So yeah, I think that I think that's a good answer by you. <laughs> um, Thank you. Your, your, your Twitter feed is great. You share lots of interesting things. Um, so where do you get your information and your inspiration from? So how, how do you stay up to, up to, up to date with things? Um, actually, a lot, of, a lot of people, a lot of platforms inspire me and yours is among the top ones, Simon, I must say. Uh, <laughs> I, get a lot of, I get a lot of information on a daily basis. I read quite a bit, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, and um, I, you know, I, I think I tend to sort of like share things that uh, I believe people would like to know. Uh, it might inspire them into doing something, or it could be something that um, they they need to know 
something that is really, you know, a, a very top trend or some action that is being taken. So I roughly, I usually make up, mix up my Twitter feed that way and uh, my other, you know, digital media channels also follow suit. I mean, if I look at it, you know, Twitter is like a big cocktail party where you can invite a lot of people, but you can't really share too, too much in depth. Uh, LinkedIn is like a sit down dinner where you can share a little bit more information, uh, either in terms of an article or in terms of attachments. Uh, so you do need to mix up the cocktail parties with uh, the, the dinners, right? And unfortunately, we're doing it a, a lot via, you know, virtual channels now, Simon. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, I, I, I guess that's one of the things about uh, lockdown was was that at least we still had the internet uh, so we could still communicate and do things. It, it would have been uh, much more challenging if, if we weren't able to remain in touch with what people were doing around the world. So like you say, Absolutely. the digital channels. Yeah, um, it's been a, it's been really good to talk to you and very interesting. How can people learn more about what you do and your work? Well, the, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, or LinkedIn. And of course, you can go to our website at goimpact.today uh, to find out the latest of what we are doing. Awesome. Um, and so I guess here we are, we're almost at the end of 2020. Um, uh, while while we are doing like there are a lot of very interesting solutions being developed and and with with the attempt to invest sustainably there's the potential to do a lot of good do you feel that the glass is half full or half empty uh can, can we make the changes that we need to do uh, or are, are we our own worst enemies <laughs> what are your thoughts <laughs> i'm a cautious optimist by nature so i always see the glass as half full uh, mm -hmm. And the other half is really to be driven by more collective work uh, and also, you know, a little bit on the circumstances. You know, I think, you know, even with the collective work and the optimism, uh, one has to take into consideration there are lots of unexpected uh, things like COVID is definitely an mm. unexpected uh, agenda. So while we like, you know, wh wh while we have an agenda and, and a plan, uh, we need the flexibility as well. And I think with that, we should be able to to overcome, shall we say? Awesome. So I think that's a, a, a great chat to have had at the end of this year. And then hopefully uh, we can see these things play out in 2021. So uh, thanks, thanks for coming on the podcast. And uh, it's been very interesting to talk with you. Thank you so much, Simon. Thank you for having me. We hope you enjoyed that podcast and we will be bringing you more across as diverse and interesting a range of stories as we can find. You're welcome to reach out to us on Twitter, LinkedIn or by email and give us any feedback and let us know what you'd like us to cover in the future. Thanks and keep listening.